0: podcast. It's it's been six days. Um, But if you listen to the last one with Larry from Safety Net and Zeph Center, uh, you might have been able to tell I was struggling. And everybody that said, it's like the worst cold I ever had. Yeah, that would describe my... My bout with COVID Um, We'll come back to that in just a second We do have a guest on today's podcast Wendy Huntley from Connecting Kids to Meals Who I got connected with of all places At a pizza place So Wendy's going to hop on And uh, I have lots of questions about her And what she does What Connecting Kids to Meals does And how you might be able to help them Because as school winds winds up for the year Where do these kids eat? Wendy uh, is part of filling that void so, um, last week, I, I actually wrote down my COVID timeline, and I'm like, well, this is this is just way too long and wordy, so I'll, I'll, I'll summarize it in this way. The beginning of last week, when you might have been able to hear, I wasn't feeling great, but I powered through it, um, I had some body aches, and I thought it was just because of a, a killer workout last Monday, and I was definitely sore, um, but also... You might have seen, you might know, uh, allergies and pollen are just wild. And I spent Saturday after last week's NAMI walk trimming trimming trees in my uh, behind my condo and basically just like showering myself in pollen. So I thought it was that combination. Um, didn't get to work Tuesday. Wednesday, I'm like, I, I don't want to take off again. So I went to urgent care and I told them. Um, I was exposed and a lot of people around me got it. Um, I don't have a fever. They tested me for flu, strep, COVID. None of them. They gave me Claritin. By, uh, by Friday, and at this point, I had... Let me just double check my notes. By the middle of last week, I was not sleeping well. Um, because I kept waking up to cough. And at this point, I had the feeling of razor blades in my throat when I coughed. And I also thought, oh, it's, it's not COVID because it's not in my chest. And I should have known better because we're on the like the fourth variant of something. We're on like the we're on one of the variants of the Omicron one. Um, so in a lot of ways, like whole new ball game. So I had popped some of those claret, and I'm like, this isn't helping at all. So I decided to grab some Tylenol cold and flu because that's what it felt like. I had aches. I had low grade fever. Um, the post nasal drip stuff. And when I get sick and The last time I was sick was February of 2020. I'll never forget it. Um, It didn't feel like COVID even looking back, but I remember I could not sleep. I was burning up. I woke up in the middle of the night, ran here to the radio station, put in a best of show and told Floyd, we're done. We're not doing it today. Um, Unfortunately, I don't get sick very often, so I do remember. And again, as people have said, um, if you have been lucky enough, Smart enough to be vaccinated and boosted, thankfully, because uh, after it was one of the worst colds I've had in a while. It's still lingering. Friday, I uh, I was in here. I also called my doctor, uh, who had been away for having COVID <clears throat> because his kids brought it home from school. So I and we both agreed that there was no reason to test me since I was exposed last Friday. Um, all the negative tests, only the PCR molecular test would be, uh, accurate at this point. And unless I needed something to keep me away or bring me back to work at this point, I just wanted the symptoms to go away. Um, he wrote me up some Sudafed. They were out. I got a cough medicine that finally gave me some relief. No more razor blades in throats. And I just, I just laid around all weekend. Um, my anxiety is indeed penetrable. I don't get anxious anymore. I don't get anything like I was in the past, before Cymbalta, where I would be panicked and frantic. But yesterday, I was pretty concerned. Um, it, let's see. What A lot of my really harsh symptoms went away Sunday and then definitely Monday like the real serious ones where I can't, I got to stay away from everybody. And I I did the five and five days, like five days isolate, uh, five days masking. And I'm still mask. They asked me to mask here at work. Uh, But once the symptoms really started to subside, I started to feel kind of like lightheaded, a little disoriented. My legs were heavy. I went to the gym yesterday morning and I didn't feel right. I was on the treadmill and my legs didn't feel wobbly, but they just, they felt heavy. Um, and I was, I was worried. I'm like, oh dear, is this, is this long COVID? Can you even have long COVID when you're not fully over COVID or whatever you want to call it? Um, and again, this being uncharted territories with uh, a different kind of strain, I was, I was pretty freaked out. I called my dad before, I made four phone calls before seven o'clock in the morning. One to my dad who was not pleased to hear me that early in the morning. And I was a little upset that he kind of. Brushed me off. Um, my doctor got back to me said, it's possible the, the cough medication messed with my blood pressure. Just, I needed more electrolytes. Um, got some Powerade. I still have a little bit of that feeling, but look, I'm able to manage sentences here and yesterday, maybe it was still getting over it. Maybe it was some anxiety. Uh, I don't know if I could have sat here and talked to myself cohesively yesterday. So now I just push through. Uh, it's still a little bit in my chest. Um, I'm going to keep hydrating and uh, just manage it as I as I would a cold. So, but again, to to put an exclamation point or put a dot on the exclamation, this is as many of many people have said. It's the worst cold they've ever had, and I echo. Thank goodness I was vaccinated because I couldn't imagine having to deal with that without being vaccinated, and granted, we've all lost a little bit of immunity um, from being away from the first uh, infection, or away. when did I get boosted? November. And as far as I know, I didn't have it at all. That was not fun, and I am not being hyperbolic when I said razor blades in my throat. Thankfully, I was never tired. Um, Never tired, I was just achy, but not tired so it's been fascinating to hear the symptoms and everybody seems a little different as we are on like I think it's like four or five of Omicron alright that's that um, no Obi-Wan spoilers it was very good um, I didn't watch Stranger Things maybe I'll get to it I've really been looking forward to the Obi-Wan show it is a it is a duel a showdown we have waited for decades actually if you want an exact date since 1977 uh in the in in the corridor of one of those empire ships we've waited for this very good start so far i've only watched two episodes um i did if you like noir crime shows Bosch finished that a Bosch Legacy on Amazon Prime or Free That's the free version of Amazon Prime. Um, and I didn't know that I had three months free of Apple thanks to downloading it on my PlayStation. And I finally watched Slow Horses with Gary Oldman and uh, Jack Loudon, I think is his name. Again, noir stuff. Very good. Uh, like a, a bunch of losers um, in the British Secret Service. But they, as you might expect, wind up solving the crime. Really good show. Really enjoyable. A little bit of 24 to it, I think. Um, Some other things. Some other things. Let me read. I don't want to go back too much to last week. Although, as we now see that a teacher did not prop that door open after we saw the clown show of the police officers, the 19 in the hallway that arguably cost 19 lives um Beto O'Rourke yelling at the governor of Texas last week was, in fact, not out of line and was likely the only person of any level of esteem who was in line. Um Let me read this. Under the bill, and this is in the blade today, under the bill it would be up to school boards to decide whether they want to allow select personnel to carry hidden handguns in school zones, but those employees would not have to go through the same 700-plus hours of training required of school security officers. arming teachers. Um, Okay. One, what if I'm a teacher and I want to arm myself? Are you going to fire me? Two, well, a handgun's going to do a lot of good against what these people who go into these schools and what kind of carnage and murder they cause do. Uh, You've got your assault rifle. I've got my trusty handgun. Uh, and again, the training thing is is scary. I did see a TPS tweet today saying they're not going to have their teachers. Now they're not going to ask that of them. Um, over the weekend, 490 OVI arrests uh, and a Memorial Day crackdown across the state. That's 490 people who could have killed other people. Um, might, it may or may not be hard to get an Uber or Lyft. You might not feel safe. I don't feel safe with you drinking and driving. Uh, What else do we have to get to? I don't know what that boom was on Memorial Day. Meteor. There was a meteor shower. I know there's an email out to the 180th, but I'm pretty close to there. I didn't hear anything. The Jeep Museum on Monday, I think it was, there was a Blade article asking, whatever happened? Excuse me. Gotta hydrate. Whatever happened to the... Jeep Museum. And I was like, Yeah. What did happen to that? Nobody's got any answers. The city's like, we're happy to have a Jeep Museum here, but we're not we're not the point people for that. So it is kind of fascinating. Um, I hope we get it at some point. And I don't remember much from the article. And again, my head was still a little foggy with the with the virus at that time, and I can just chalk it up to excuse me. Um a lot's going on in the last couple of years. So I can understand how we might not get to everything. Friends of the library are doing another sale tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday. A uh, dollar a book, $15 a bag, $8 bags on Saturday. And uh, the neat thing about this is you might want to stock up on board games, which you can buy. Also, if you know somebody who collects vinyl, everybody knows somebody that collects vinyl. And I'm actually surprised that I found out in the last year The vinyl surge from five or seven years ago is still going on quite well. So some vinyl you can buy. It's, uh, I believe, 1301 Reynolds uh, at a location Friends of the Library next to Super Fitness at Reynolds and Door. Last up, the Walleye. Play tomorrow night. I'm sorry, Friday and Saturday night. No tickets are available unless you're willing to plunk down for season tickets for next year. Okay, and I got to say I'm happy they're playing Florida and not Newfoundland. Did I say that right? Because when they did play Newfoundland a couple of years ago, those games started at really weird times. Like, they're in a time zone ahead of us. Like, maybe even a couple of hours. Not, it's not earlier there. Wait, wait. Yeah, we're behind them like California is behind us. Because they're, like, Newfoundland is, like, out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It's not, but the part of Canada that it's in is. It's not just floating in the middle of the Atlantic. Um, so they play Florida, the Florida Everblades. A fun play on that name. Also Saturday, you can begin to buy, and they'll go fast, I believe, walleye jerseys, game-worn walleye jerseys. A couple hundred bucks, up to like 350 bucks. So for a diehard walleye fan of yours, Father's Day, whatever, those. Um, I did not get the Top Gun. I didn't say it was going to be a failure I'm glad it did well I would like to go see it and uh, I'd also like to see how this Homeowners Association condo drama plays out um, there are four people in mine and I talked to my president uh, nice lady my dogs don't like her dog for some reason uh, there's another woman There's and there's two people in between us a gentleman who I believe sublets or rents to someone in his family. Uh, An older Arabic woman, never see her. Very nice. I just see her when she goes to the mailbox, we wave, that's that, nothing. Then my neighbor, for the longest time, I've been there since the end of 18. For at least half of that time, nobody was next to me. Now there is a, I don't know, 50-something woman who really likes guitar-driven pop rock From like the 90s and early 2000s. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Foo Fighters. Eve Six. Matchbox. All that stuff. Like give me a beat. And she has pushed back a little bit. Against um, some of the things that my HOA president would like to get done. And I was told last year it's going to cost four grand each. To paint the whole place. Fine. I put it aside. Knowing I'm going to have to pay this at some point. But the woman next to me has sent off sent off some quite to be quite frank, incoherent emails. My HOA president would like her fence fixed because it's on the outside. The HOA is responsible for it. Something and then the woman next door to me said something about my dogs not ruining my fence. And my HOA president's fence has been ruined by her. Again, compl- very incoherent. I'm uh, fascinated to see where this, where the where and how this drama unfolds. Good to be back with you. Um, I felt not bad. I felt bad not being on the air. I also felt bad coming in here, but I was told it's allergies. Here's Claritin. Um, it was painful, but good to be back on the air and here on the podcast with you and now wendy huntley i just want to thank you uh for taking some time to hop on here and talk all about connecting kids to meals because now i know who was feeding all all of our kids last summer at all the toledo area activities that was you guys right wendy Yes, sir. You got it. So tell me, just take me as a complete novice and, and a know nothing about the organization. Tell me that what's the elevator pitch of what you guys do, how you help our community and get the kids fed.
1: Sure. I For 19 years now, we have been feeding uh, hungry kids in our community. We utilize our expertise of the Federal Child Nutrition Program in order to make sure the kids have access to healthy meals for free. We feed kids 18 and under. And um, just last year, we provided about 776,000 meals throughout the entire year through our after school meal program, and then our summer meal program. And yesterday, we launched our 2022 summer meal program. And so it is madness, it's craziness, but it is so rewarding knowing that, you know, we'll be able to reach a number of kids throughout our communities at schools, libraries, Boys and Girls Clubs, our community centers, our uh, Lucas Metropolitan Housing Neighborhoods, uh, any of our church locations, camps. You know, we've got about a hundred, we'll have about a hundred and sixty sites this summer and anyone can find out information on our website and go and see a site list so they can find a location nearest
0: for them. I I do have some technical uh, questions, like how and who puts together three-quarter of a million meals. Um, But before that, I guess the important statistic would be what one in four kids in Lucas County um, have a food
1: insecurity? Yes, sir. One out of every uh, four kids faces regular hunger, and how we know some of this information is also from supporting data. We've got over 60,000 kids in Lucas County alone that qualify for what are called free or reduced meals at school, meaning their families complete the paperwork in order for those kids to get subsidized meals because of financial struggles that the family may be facing. The other important stat that we like to talk about is 40%, nearly 40% of our kids in Toledo live in poverty. So when you take all those things together, we have a serious child food insecurity issue in our community.
0: Um, I know this came to light with with people a couple of years ago. As, as we as we hit the onset, the dawn of the pandemic, people started to realize that oh, okay, you know, it might not necessarily be my kid, but there's a lot of kids not going to school who won't be able to eat. Um, how you talk about the food insecurity in in that regard? Now that we step out uh, of school time of year, um, there are a lot of those kids might not be able to eat. And this is where you guys fill that gap, right? With all those locations.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an important role. Um, you know, w- what we try to do is to make it easy for kids, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no ID required. There's no signing up for anything. And so we partner with our city, pools, parks, any of those partners I mentioned earlier, locations where we know kids gather. Because we know that they're going to be in those places, um, you know, and we want to make sure that while they're attending great programming, they can fill their bellies with the nutritious food that their bodies and their minds need uh, during this summer uh, this summer break because so many of our kids rely on school meals. And while there may not be 60,000 kids that are in need during the summer, we know that there are about fifteen to 20,000 uh, whose families are, real, are just flat-out struggling, and they need this additional support, whether it comes from connecting kids to meals, whether it's a food bank uh, that they visit, whether it's a food pantry. All of us serve different roles in our community, but we all serve very important roles.
0: Everybody uh, everybody needs food. I know we we all look at it in like slightly different ways. Uh it's it's comfort for some of us, but real the reality, especially why we try to eat as well as we can is it's our fuel. It's our gas. Um without yeah. it, we're not going to get anything done.
1: Nothing. I don't know about you, but if I skip breakfast, <laughs> You know, that term hangry. Yeah, the, the hang, <laughs> it's real, the right? Hangry it's just comes. Po- popular. <laughs> it's, it's real. What? It's real. So what? yeah, but little kids, you know, they're not able to make the adjustments, right? You know, we know how to navigate through being hungry. Little kids don't know how to do that. Right. They're just hungry and they don't know why they have a headache. They don't know why they have no energy. They don't know why they're mad, but we do. We know why they're, they're they're doing all these things. Just because they're hungry.
0: What are what are the challenges? Um, that you'll face over the summertime, outside of the technical aspect of like getting all these meals to the di- to the different locations throughout the summer. I mean, free food is 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 magic to most human beings' ears. I mean, I, I my entire life I have worked in my entire adult life I've worked in radio. Um, if you say there's free food in the kitchen, it's gone by the time the last person reads the email. Is there is there any aversion to some of these kids? Um, is is there a challenge for you, or is the hurdle like these kids? They don't want to take it because there's there's some type of, of stigma attached to it. What are the challenges you face feeding kids who clearly need to be fed?
1: Yeah, you, you're you, you're spot on. You know, a lot of times kids don't want people to know that you know they're poor, or their family's struggling, or even that they're hungry. It's not cool, right? And so the beauty of this program is that. You don't have to show ID. You don't have to give any information. If you're at the pool to go and swim, you can get a meal. If you're at, uh, you know, Dennis Hopson's camp to play basketball, you're going to get a meal. If you are at the library and you're hungry and you're there around 1 to 1.45, you're going to be able to participate and get a meal. No one has to show their information card. No one has to show ID. No one has to sign up for anything. It really has been created because when you think about it, the average visitor to our site is nine years old. The nine year old wants to just come up there, have fun, eat food, play with his or her friends, play on the computer, uh, read books, do what, swim in the pool, whatever it is. They just want to have fun. So yes, that's a challenge, but the challenge is not that they, you know, face any sort of obstacles when they get to the site. Our biggest challenge is just making sure everybody in our community is talking about this and aware of it. So that's why we appreciate you helping to shine a light on this, because we need families that really do need that help to know we're here to support them. And so talking about it, spreading the word, we've done billboards, flyers, social media, ads, the information's on our website, I mean, TV, radio, we're, we're doing everything that we can do to make sure that all of the families in our community know that they can go get help or if they know others, Hey, the kids can come and eat. Now there is a big change this summer. Kids have to eat the meal on site. Prior to the pandemic, kids ate their meal on site. What happened with the pandemic was that the federal government issued some waivers to allow it to be easier for sponsors and food providers like Connecting Kids to Meals, to provide meals, but also created these waivers so that kids could grab and go the meals. And it could just be very easy. They could just come up, get the meal, and take it back home. Great. So those waivers have now expired at the mm. end of the school year. So we're kind of swimming uphill on a few of the marketing components and promotional components, because not everyone is understanding that, number one, it's not a Connecting Kids to Meals decision. It's a federal decision because it's a federal program. And then two, we're just trying to get the word out so that no one is surprised when we make sure and they see the signage at the site and our servers tell them that the kids have to eat the meals on the site.
0: Yeah, I get it. And I'm sure there's going to be some pushback from people who have really relied on you for the last couple of summers. And hopefully they will have some open ears and be understanding Um, a little customer services involved. I'm sure is what you're prepping for throughout the locations over the summer.
1: For sure, for sure. And then, you know, other obstacles include, obviously, food shortages or disruption, food disruption supply uh, in the supply chain. We have that going on. Uh, we also have, obviously, inflation's hitting us. Food costs are through the roof. Gasoline affects us because we have delivery trucks that deliver meals to a large portion of our site. Um, paper costs are up, so we actually really provide a, a, a plate for kids to eat on so that they're actually their food is plated and they actually have a chance to sit down. And so all those costs, plus others, are just continuing to elevate every day, every week, every month. And so it's a challenge for us. And so you know we do, because we run federal programs, receive a set reimbursement dollar for the meals served, but it doesn't cover the cost of the meal. And so we have to write for grants. We ask our corporate partners to give us contributions, and we also ask individuals to make financial donations. Because without everyone's help, we're not able to provide 776,000 plus this year. We can't do it.
0: How, how, who makes the, how, how do these meals get, get put together? I, I'm trying to wrap it around my head. And I think we had briefly spoken um, when we met at blaze a couple of weeks ago, it reminded me of uh, the United way and packing the backpacks, but that's like one day you guys are doing this like every day, like you're a, like, like you're a school cafeteria. What's the process of, all right, we've got an event later on in the afternoon. Is it the night before we start planning meals? Walk me through all of this.
1: Yeah, it's a great, great question. So we start with menu planning. So we plan our menus and we do have to abide by USDA rules and regulations as a nutrition guidelines. But we also are balancing that against what kids like, right? So we have this sweet spot. So we have a really robust menu, a three-week cycling menu of really great foods, hot items, uh, along with uh, your main protein, your milk your uh, vegetables, your fruits, as well as whole grains. And so, you know, they'll get a full complimentary meal. But we start with our menu, then we order and purchase the food. We receive the food in our warehouse, we prepare the food in our kitchen, package the meals, and then send those out to the site. So I have to give a shout out to my staff. My staff is uh, amazing. You are never gonna find more passionately committed people uh, in your life. They are committed to kids, it was shown through the pandemic we didn't have not one employee say well i'd rather stay home and you know collect the dollars that are being provided no our employees were out here and they were we were essential workers and they did not miss a beat we continued to provide meals to kids uh, at you know sites we were outside in many cases during the pandemic so my staff is why we're able to even have this conversation today. They're the reason why we're able to have an organized process of putting all of the components together. We have a team that handles the milk. We have a team that handles the, you know, room temperature, pre-packaged items. We have a room that, a, a team that's in the kitchen cooking. We have teams that oversee the logistics for making sure that, you know, our drivers are living, the number of meals are created. I mean, it is a work of art, and I invite our public to come and visit us to see this uh, organized chaos, as I call it, in action, you'll be amazed. Uh, I have some great people.
0: Uh, You're also doing really meaningful work and not to denigrate anybody that's made whatever personal decision they've made over the last couple of years. But when you're talking about getting kids fed, I mean, there's meaning in that and I can see why. And, and, and they have great leadership in you. I could see why they wanted to stick their nose in and keep helping these kids out even in the, in the worst of times the last few years.
1: Now, it's it's been it's been tough, you know, we were hit just like everybody else, you know, we had to pivot, we had to socially distance, we had to slow down in our process, but we had to keep figuring it out, man, day by day. We just had to continue to figure this thing out, and uh thankfully, uh, you know, my board uh, is truly engaged. We have had an outpouring of uh, financial support from the community that has been um unparalleled to any other time, which is appropriate, right? Um, and then we've had our volunteers. You mentioned the United Way Packing event uh, that has continued. United Way is a partner uh, of ours. We did some packing events with them. We now have packing events right here uh, at our location. Anybody that's interested can, you know, go to our website and they can sign up to come and help pack, pack meals with us. Uh, we're really focusing on Tuesdays uh, as a day when we're really uh, doing that once a week to kind of allow for folks to come in to our you know, volunteer area and pack meals. Uh, but they can also help us by stopping by a site and just saying, hey, I heard about what you guys are doing, and, you know, can I lend a hand? Can I help out, um, you know, w- with just making sure that, you know, kids have the meals, that, you know, we have blankets and parks that are laid out so kids don't have to sit on the hot asphalt or, you know, in the grass, the prickly grass. Um, but we just need help from every direction uh, in order to make this happen. And so we're grateful to our community. I'm grateful to our funders, our partners, our volunteers, uh, that have all helped to, to make this possible. Because we have a lot of kids, imagine this, we have a lot of kids that are in single parent homes. Those parents are working. And so, you know, they're trying their best, uh, to, to, to make ends meet, but some are just struggling. You know, the pandemic has really illuminated, uh, not just the financial challenges the families are facing, but obviously the food insecurity issue. And so, you know, by, by being able to position 160 sites that are conveniently located in places that, you know, families can trust, that is one way in which we can help, uh, our local families to continue to navigate through this very, uh, difficult historic event that we're all trying to live through at this moment.
0: I, 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 it might sound like trite or cliche because we learn about, you know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And, and as we already mentioned, like just staying fed is vital, but, um, these are, these are challenging times and just getting, just getting a nine-year-old fed rather than maybe going down the wrong path and like just going to a new convenience store and snatching something into his pocket. Um, being fed, he might not, he or she might not do something like that. So what you guys are doing is just, invaluable work. And I I implore people to see the long view of it, of why it's so important and so important to support it so that we can, you know, put a dam in in front of some of these problems that we all want to stop seeing happen in our community.
1: Absolutely. And it's going to take the entire community here. I mean, you know, we're we're the first line defense to kids being hungry. But we have a number of challenging issues in our community and many of which elevate out of or, or, you know, evolve out of poverty and so as a community just really trying to you know develop solutions to help families in our communities to be uplifted and to really um increase the revenue that's coming into their household so that they're able to have better things and be able to take care of all of the needs in their household that's really what needs to happen until so, you know you'll never hear Myself or anyone from Connecting Kids Meals talking about ending hunger. Uh, Ending hunger is a noble thing. It's not our mission. Our mission is to be that first line defense so that kids don't have to be stressed. They don't have to wonder where their next meal is coming from. They don't, you know, families don't have to spend additional dollars unnecessarily. But kids can go and socialize with their friends, learn new things, try out you know, golf for the first time. I heard about a great camp that's happening this summer that the city is funding. It's a golf camp at one of the parks. And so, you know, this really allows for us to serve a critical role, but also to talk about the other great things that people and organizations in in Toledo are actually doing in order to help families and to help engage kids into some fun and exciting and um, enriching activities.
0: We all get a little upset when we see some bad news, but um, what you've mentioned with the city, where I know they've doubled their partnerships this year for keeping kids busy, it's they have got more activities than I ever had when I was a kid going to summer camp. You guys are (laughs) providing the food. I mean, this is, this is how we make some of these problems that we all want to go away, go away. And it's not going to be right in front of us, but it's doing these little things step by step, getting the kids fed, um, making sure they're not worried about being hungry, keeping them busy. This is how we form better human beings and, and ultimately better communities.
1: Absolutely, because you know a, a hungry kid can't learn. Yeah. So if you have educational, com- you know, programming going on, if you have some sort of sports-related component going on, kids are not going to be able to even absorb that information if their you know, their bellies are empty and their you know their heads are hurting or they're distracted or you know they're just anxious. And so uh, our goal is to really assist those program providers and make sure that kids can get the most out of the great stuff that's going on in our community. So we should be Commending the city, you know, a lot of times people want to poo-poo things that are going on or make comparisons and so forth. I think we need to, you know, really give the city credit for, you know, taking a step forward. Is it everything that everybody wants to be done? Absolutely not, because you're never going to please all the people all the time. Yeah, but there has certainly been a a forward commitment to invest uh, even more money in making sure that kids have things to do this summer and. There are employment opportunities for young people because they can become lifeguards. They can work even with us. You know, we're still hiring, so you know, give us a call if you're someone that wants to have a really cool seasonal job that requires a you know two to three hours out of your day. Give us a call. We'd, we'd love to have you join us as part of our Connecting Kids to Meals team.
0: Might be a good opportunity for some people like my dad who doesn't live here, but uh, the pandemic basically put him into like full retirement and he's 73 years mm-hmm. old. He can only bowl so much. Um, and I'm sure there are other people yeah. around <laughs> his age who have retired, but don't want to go back into like the full on workforce and maybe deal with maybe yep. like face to face customer service in some ways. There are probably some older folks out there who would like to keep busy and a couple hours a day is, is an easy ask.
1: Well, you know, Eric. As you speak, uh, we have, and she's being talked about uh, uh, a lot the last few days. Miss Geneva Sutton is a is a volunteer for us. She volunteered last year through the Grant Foster Grandparents Program. She's out here right now, mm-hmm. joining us for about three hours. She's one hundred and two, and she comes here every day to help us. She's doing some laminating of some of our signs right now and some organizing some paperwork and so forth. There's always something that people can do. If you have a heart to help, whether it's with Connecting Kids to Meals or some other organization that might need some help as well, our nonprofit organizations, we're all in the trenches doing this work day in and day out, and we all can use some help, and we all can use a financial donation because for Connecting Kids to Meals, we're part of a buying group, and so your contribution to us will go a much longer way than you can ever imagine because we get more out of every single dollar that's contributed as it relates to food items that we can purchase.
0: I think uh, I think I recall there's something like that with the United Way or other places. It might be the Salvation Army where through their connections, like a $10 donation that I might give, their $10 goes farther due to partnerships and whatnot. Is that, is that kind of what you're talking
1: about? Yeah, it's it's a similar concept. Got Ours it. is because we're part of a national buying group with schools and hospitals and all of these large conglomerates uh, that actually you know buy way more than we do, but we get the benefit of riding on their coattails and getting the deep the discounts.
0: Got it. Um, one re- one last question and anything else you want to cover? Where we can certainly do that. How did you get involved in all this? What's your origin story?
1: <laughs> sure enough, I grew up in Toledo. And I uh, went to Ladyfield and went to Notre Dame Academy, uh, went to Bowling Green for undergrad. And then I went to law school uh, in Columbus. And I ended up staying in Columbus and practicing law for about 26 years. And um, not quite 10 years ago, you know, I needed to come back home. My father was in the last stages of a um, medical condition, uh, and we knew it wasn't going to get any better. And so I came back, I, you know, just up, <laughs> sold my house and everything and just left. And I uh, came back to Toledo to help my mom and my sister, and I'm so grateful, so grateful that I came back first and foremost because I had, you know, key time, uh, critical time with my father before he passed, and then unexpectedly my mother passed. And so I had just amazing one-on-one time with the, both of them before they passed that I never would have even realized um, how important that was. And so... Uh, I'm grateful for that. And then out of being here, I had an opportunity to get involved um, with the, you know, food insecurity issues through another organization initially, and then ended up over here uh, in a leadership position at Connecting Six to meal uh, about six years ago. And so for your listeners, I also want to kind of bring this full circle as we talk about our history at the outset. Our organization has been doing this work for 19 years. But just for the last about five years, we have been doing this work under the name of Connecting Kids to Meals. Prior to that, it was under the name of Feed Lucas County Children. And so, you know, I always want to make sure that we are acknowledging uh, the, our origins and our you know, founding executive director who started this organization, uh, because it, 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 it allows for those that have been in our community for a long time to know that, you know, we have been around. We aren't new. I just ended up, when I took the helm, I decided that we needed a refresh of our name and our brand, and we did that uh, in partnership with Correct Marketing Group, and uh, just really thankful for just the opportunity to be in a leadership position at a nonprofit organization that does such vital work, uh, and it just it absolutely satisfies my soul. My heart and my soul are satisfied. Because when I get an opportunity, and I often do this, go out to the site and serve meals to kids, the look on their face, the smile, the fact that sometimes they've got a bashful look on their face, but they're grinning uh, because they're happy to have a, a healthy meal. That's what brings me the greatest satisfaction. And so, you know, I count myself as privileged to leave, not just my staff, um, but to actually be in a position that um, is so rewarding. It's so incredible. I can hear
0: the joy in your voice. Um, I'm I'm gonna guess that people hearing that joy is some people have some envy because <clears throat> we've do, we've all done a lot of evaluating the last couple of years and and to to have something so purposeful and so fulfilling with what you're doing. It's it's hard to find. I'm glad you have it. Uh, I'm glad we met. I'm glad you took some time to talk about this, connecting kids to meals, uh, Org for everything. And uh, at some point in the next handful of weeks, some point over the summer, I'm going to track you down. Um, and I want to check out one of these events. I want to see the smiles on kids' faces. I want to ask them if they're going to finish those fries. I'm going to make sure that they're not eating and going into the pool within 30 minutes and all that kind of stuff.
1: <laughs> that's what the lifeguards are for man
0: ah <laughs> uh, you know what the, they're teen lifeguards they don't know what those cramps are like i, uh, I will and i, I want to meet this 102 year old lady nobody's got their pulse on seniors in toledo like this guy right here
1: that's right well you will love her you'll love uh what we're doing and you'll love our staff uh we have a lot of great things going on and also you'll get a chance to meet uh, some of the kids that we are employing because we're a work site for our Harbor Summer Youth Program. And so we've got 20 young people that we're uh, hoping to, you know, help them to develop their work ethic and understand what it means to actually, you know, serve in a capacity uh, while being an employee of a nonprofit organization. So you are welcome anytime, Eric.
0: Awesome. I'm going to track you down, Wendy. Thank you so much for all this time. I'm glad we could connect. Okay.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You take care. Awesome. We'll talk soon. Okay.